You're listening to the City Lights Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everybody. Good morning. It's the World Cup today, the finals. Surprised there's so many people here. <laughs> if I wasn't preaching, I'd probably be watching the game at 11. Um, I'm Andre Greiner, and... Very few people know this about me, but when I was in in high school, ninth grade, I had an English class, and uh, I had to give a a public speech. You know when you have to do that, like your first public speech in high school? And I was so terrified. Um, I had to, I think, I I can't remember what I was speaking on, but this is what I remember. So I, I went up there to speak, and I was shaking so bad like, so bad that people thought I was going to have a seizure. Like, it was bad. And, you know, you know when it, like, gets worse when, like, the, uh, the teacher is, like, it's okay, Andre, it's okay. And I was just, I was, I was terrified and mortified. So it's just, you know, I always thought public speaking and, like, even, like, you know, being up on a stage and stuff like that would be something I would never, never do because of that first experience, you know, like, mortified me of, like, ever doing it again. But it's just cool how, like, God makes our weaknesses, like, he uses our weaknesses. You know, they're not, like, in vain. They're not a waste. Um, They're used. And so it's just, I think it's just cool that, you know, like, I'm even up here preaching because it's really only by God's grace that I have the ability to do this and not be, like, shaking and and, and going crazy. And so um, thank you guys for letting me be here. I've enjoyed the One Faith um, series that we've been, been going through. Um, it's been fantastic. If you don't know much about me, I am the youth pastor here at City Lights, and I'm also a house painter. I paint houses for a living with Pearson Painting, and I love it. It's the best job I ever had is what I say on the job. And so it's, it's a great job, um, and I'm married to the beautiful, wild, and wonderful Jenna Greiner, and we have a son named Micah Greiner, and he is a handful and fun. Um, a, couple, a couple of things I just want to highlight that I've, I've learned from the series personally is uh, Oliver, I can't remember which, which Sunday it was, but he said, faith isn't about thinking better, it's about moving. And I thought that was just super awesome. So thanks for saying that, Oliver. Um, and then Stephen, a couple weeks ago, he said, it's not, it's not about having faith. It's not just about having faith. It's about walking by faith. And that was something I, I've, I've clung on to. These, uh, these days and weeks and stuff like that. So I am continuing the, 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 the faith, and I'm reading from Hebrews 11.30 today. So we kind of skipped Moses, and we are going to Joshua and Jericho. So Hebrews 11.30 says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. So if you don't know much about the story, the uh, Israelites were led out of Egypt, and they were saved by the, by the power of God, and they were led out of Egypt, and they went through the wilderness, past the Red Sea, and they got to the place that God intended them to be. And Moses uh, was suggested by some people to send out spies to check out the land before they actually went into battle. And so these 12 spies, one from each tribe of Israel, were sent out to 
like, just check out the land and see what it was like. So they go, and if you don't know the story, all of them come back, and 10 of them are like the, well, all 12 of them are like, the land is great. It's like awesome, flowing with milk and honey. It's great. But 10 of them were like, there's giants in the land, and their walls are really big, and the cities are huge. I don't think we can do it. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, were like, no, like, we, can, we can take these guys because God is on our side, so we need, to, we need to inherit the land. We need to go into the land that God has prepared for us. And they, they don't inherit the land because they had unbelief, right? They had unbelief, and because of their unbelief, God actually had them wander back into the desert for 40 years, and that generation of people who had unbelief died off, and there was a new generation. So we're kind of in the new generation now, and they are now back at the promised land. They're done with their wandering, and they're back at the promised land. Um, so my, my message this morning is the, the kind of like the title of the message would be called um, Inheriting Your Promises. So God has spoken promises over all of our lives, um, not only like promises in this life, but also eternal promises. And those promises he wants us to inherit, just like he wanted the Israelites to inherit the land, even that first generation, he wanted them to inherit the land, right? He wanted them to leave it, he wanted them to take the land, but they chose unbelief and they chose fear instead. So he wants us to inherit our promises. He's spoken promises over our lives, not only through the scriptures, but also just to you personally, like all of you, well, not, I don't know if all of you, but a lot of you probably have a relationship with God, and he's spoken promises over your life, and he's spoken dreams over your life, and he wants you to inherit those dreams, and he wants you to inherit those promises. And so I'm going to first kind of like break down like what, how, do, how do you not inherit, basically? How do you not inherit the promises God has for you, and how do you inherit the promises God has for you? And so, um, the way you don't inherit promises, like the Israelites, is through fear and disbelief. So the Israelites got to the land, and they saw what God had prepared for them, what God wanted them to step into, and they became fearful, and they disbelieved. They didn't have belief, they didn't have faith in their heart that God was going to accomplish the things that he had already promised. He'd given them the land a long time ago, and he wanted them to inherit it, but they had fear, and they were afraid, and they, and they stepped into unbelief. So, the, so Timothy, a couple weeks ago, talked about how fear can lead us into faith, but fear can also lead us into, into unbelief if we, if we allow it. And so um, I just had this fear and disbelief will, will inhibit you from inheriting your promises, not believing the Lord loves you and has good prepared for you, so it's, it's just really interesting. One of, the, one of the things that Israelites, when they first, the first um, generation that came to the land and didn't inherit it, one of the things they said is really interesting. In Deuteronomy 127, basically the Israelites, they, they, uh, they're complaining to Moses, and they're full of fear, they're full of disbelief, and they basically say to Moses, they're like, the only reason God let us out of Egypt is because he wanted us to lead us to this land and kill us because he hated us so much. And it, it just, when I read that, it like, it's like, really? Like, you be, like, God did all these signs and wonders in Egypt. He made you cross through the Red Sea. He provided for you while you're in the wilderness. You get to the promised land that he's been talking to you about. 
and then you're full of fear and full of unbelief, and then you have this idea that the reason that God did all this for you is because he hates you, and he actually wanted to kill you. And I just, I just began to think about that, and I just, I just thought about how often do we do that? How often do I do that? And I know, I know from my, just a, a part of my story, when I was, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian house, and, you know, I, I said I loved God, and I said that I followed him, and, and I read the Bible, and I went to church every Sunday. Um, but I, I had so much un, unbelief in my heart, and I actually really did think God didn't like me because I struggled with porn. That was one of the, the big kind of, like, things that controlled my life for, for, for most of my life, really, from about nine years old until in my, in my 20s. And I remember being in, in, you know, in, in middle school and high school and, and having a loving family and having great friends and all that kind of stuff, but really, really uh, had a lot of unbelief in my heart because, because of my sin. And because I, I sinned and looking at pornography on such a regular basis, I carried shame. And it really, it really uh, became just my identity. Shame was like my identity of like, I'm no good. God doesn't really love me. He doesn't really care about me. He really didn't die to set me free because if he really died to set me free, then I would be free. Why am I still stuck in this sin? Why am I still looking at pornography on a daily basis? Why am I struggling with this every day when he died to set me free? And I didn't understand his love. I didn't understand that he really, 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 really loved me and that when he died to set me free, he meant it and that I could actually live in freedom. And so I, I, I lived in this idea that God just, is, he's disappointed with me because I sin so much and because I keep, I keep struggling with the same sin all the time. I can't, I can't get rid of it. I remember climbing up in my tree and just crying to God, like, God, I just don't want to do this anymore, but I don't know how to be free. I don't know how to live in freedom. And I think, I think, that's, I think that's common for a lot of us. I think a lot of us have you know, just certain, certain things that we deal with in life, sins, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's worry, maybe it's anger, maybe it's lust, maybe it's, um, you know, greed, what, whatever, whatever you kind of like lean towards, I guess, and we think we can never be free. We think that we can't actually live in the freedom that God promised us, because God promised us that when he died to, for us, that he set us free from sin and that we could actually live free from sin, that we wouldn't have to walk in sin anymore, that we wouldn't have to be chained to sin anymore. I thought I was chained to pornography. I remember talking to people about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, man, it's just, just a struggle you're going to have your whole life. And even as a kid, I just refused to believe that. I said, that can't be true. That can't be true. Like, Jesus died for me. It set me free. It, it's, it was such a theoretical thing when people talked to me about it. I was like, yeah, like, he set you free, but sorry, you're, you're still going to do it. Like, like you're kind of still stuck in it. And it, it was this th theoretical belief and faith, not an actual faith, that Jesus can really set me free. And so I think the Israelites struggle with the same thing. They're like, God didn't really set us free to have us live free lives. He set us free so he could hate us and kill us, and that he doesn't really like us. And it just, 
and just uh, it blows my mind, but it doesn't because I, I've dealt with the same thing. And so maybe you've been in my shoes, and maybe uh, you carry a lot of shame, and maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel like God's promises that he's spoken over you uh, aren't going to come to pass because he doesn't like you or because you're too bad for him or because of your sin or whatever, and that's just not true. Like, he loves you. He loves you right where you're at, and he wants you to walk in freedom, and he wants you to inherit your promises. He wants you to inherit your promises. He wants you to inherit your promises. But we have to step in by faith and believe that and receive that. And so that's how we, uh, I think that's how we live in kind of like a, an un- in a way that we don't inherit our promises. Because, like I said, God wants us to inherit them. He gave us promises so that we would actually have the promises and live by them. Uh, this is how I think we uh, inherit promises. There's a couple things, but um, living in the love of God for yourself prepares your heart to receive all God has for you. Intimacy fuels love, and intimacy fuels faith to receive your promises. And so I think the, one of the ways that we receive promises is by living in the love of God and believing his love over our life, that he really is good, that he really loves me, and he really wants me to have the things that he's promised over me. I think that is super profound. I think we, we can never understand the height and the depth of the love of God because it's so high and it's so wide, it's so deep. But the more and more and more we step in and, and realize his love for us, the more I think we really believe him and move from uh, a fear of a fear of not stepping into, into all that he's prepared for us into a life where we step in to everything that he's promised us and everything that he has in store for us. And so I think love is super important. Believing is love. I think intimacy, like I said, intimacy fuels love. If you're not being intimate with God, then your, your love is, is going to be kind of like a, a small flame. Just like with Jenna, like if, if I didn't spend a lot of time with her, if I wasn't intimate with my wife, our love would kind of stink. Like it wouldn't be like a good relationship. And so intimacy is, is crucial for love, and intimacy fuels faith too. When, you're, when you spend time with somebody, when you get to know them and you know them at a deeper level and you spend a lot of deep, intimate moments with them, when you share heart connections, you have more trust in them, you have faith in them more. And, and you just... You just are, yeah, you just trust them better. Like, I trust Jenna because we've had so many intimate moments. Like, I can trust her so, so much with my heart. And I know that she can trust me with sharing her heart to me. And so I think intimacy is so, so crucial. And I, I think one of the reasons Joshua was able to lead the people into the promised land is because he was very intimate with God. If you look back in Exodus 33:11, it talks about how Moses would go into the tent of meeting and he would meet face to face with God and he would spend time with God and like just be intimate with God and kind of like hear his heart and they would speak face to face. And as Moses was in there, Joshua was in there too. And what's cool is when Moses would leave the tent of meeting, Joshua would stay and he would stay there and get some extra time. And so he loved being around the presence of God. He loved it. He loved it, he loved it, he loved it. And that fueled his face. So that's, that's the reason why he was only one out of two people who 
believed God the first time when they came to the promised land because he, he had grown in intimacy with God. He had, he had a real love for God, and he trusted God. He trusted God's promises. And so if you're not being intimate with God, it's going to be harder for you to trust his promises. It is. It's just going to be harder. If you're not walking in an intimate relationship with God, it's going to be harder for you to trust what he said over your life because you're not staying in that close relational connectivity with him. It's so important that we, as a church, are intimate with our God because it, it's going to fuel our, our personal faith and it's going to fuel our like corporate faith too. And so each of us have an important part to play for sure. Um, and what's, what's just great about my story is when I, uh, when I was about 19, kind of like in just the thick of life and you know going to college and all that kind of stuff, um, still dealing with pornography, and it was just, it was just a, you know, a burden that I hated. Um, and, but I chose it, you know, it was like my burden that I chose. It wasn't like God put it on me or anything like that. Uh, when I, when, when a shift started happening, when I encountered Jesus and I felt his love for the first time, and he told me how much he loved me, because for the far, longest time, I, like I said, I just thought God didn't like me because of my sin and because of my my just habitual sinning, that he didn't really have a love for me and a like for me. But when I, when I encountered him in kind of a low place, he spoke his love into my heart, and it changed. From that moment on, I realized I can be free, and I can, I can walk in freedom, in the promise that God said, like in Galatians or Ephesians, one of those books in the New Testament, Paul says to the church, like for freedom, Christ has set you free. Like don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. Like he set you free to be free, so go live free. And I remember reading that passage in college and believing it. Like I can really be free. Like I don't have to be stuck in this anymore. Like I can actually be a free person and this doesn't have to define me anymore. And it revolutionized my life, and I became more open, and I, and I wasn't hiding anymore. I wasn't ashamed of it anymore. I, I, would, I would tell my friends. I would eventually talk with Jenna about it when we were dating and engaged, and I think even before we were dating, I would I'd talk with her about it and then engage, and even in marriage, I've had to, had to tell her these things because I've fallen even in marriage, and, it, and it's uh, the shame that I used to feel didn't define me as much. Like, I knew that God loved me and that he wanted me to freedom. And so, um, thankfully, like, now I'm walking in greater levels of freedom in that area than I ever have my whole life. And it's, and it's because of the love of God, and it's because he's good, and that's what he wanted. He wanted me to live in that freedom. And so I just want to encourage you, if, you're, if you feel stuck in any kind of sin, if you feel stuck in anything, really, you're not meant to be stuck. You're meant to be free. You're meant to walk in freedom you're meant to walk in his love and be empowered by his Holy Spirit to uh, inherit your promises. And, and like I think Taylor said during the call to worship, like we all have, he's all spoken, he's spoken different things over all of our lives. And there's obviously very like profound promises for all of us in the scriptures, but there's also specific promises that he's spoken over us. And he wants us to inherit those. He wants us to believe that. So um, three other things. I think that are important for inheriting the words that God has spoken over us, the words he's spoken personally to you and the words that he's spoken in the scriptures. I think that it is, um, one of the things is consecration. So the first one is consecration. So the Israelites, they, uh, they get to the Jordan River, which is a big river, and they have to cross it to get into the promised land. 
And before they cross it, Joshua like gives this charge to everybody in Israel. He says uh, in Joshua 3.5, he said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the land, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And consecrate, if you don't know what that word means, it means to dedicate yourself for divine purpose. So Joshua is saying, dedicate yourself for divine purpose. You have a purpose. You are made to inherit this land. And likewise, you have a purpose. You are made to walk with God, be empowered by his Holy Spirit, and empower other people by his grace to do incredible works. He wants to do wonders through you. He wants to do amazing things through you. And we just have to receive and believe it. We don't have to strive for it. We don't have to, to, to work to, to get to some level of Christianity. Now he'll do wonders through me because I've attained such great faith. He said, with the faith of mustard seed, you just need faith in me, and I can do wonders through you. He wants to do wonders in your life. He wants to amaze you. He wants to do things in your life that you didn't think were possible, that people told you, you that can't happen because whatever, medically or physically or socially, like he wants to do things in your life that are the impossible because that's our God. He does the impossible. I mean, just look at this, the story of Jericho. The, the people walk around the city for seven days and then the walls fall down. Like how crazy is that? How crazy is that that our God told Joshua and the Israelites, hey, walk around the city. Don't make a sound. Walk around the city once. The next day, walk around the city again once. Do that for six days. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times and then make a big shout, and then the walls are going to come down. Like, those are the kind of wonders that, like, God can do in our lives. If we would believe him, if we would trust him, if we would step into what he said. And so he wants to do wonders in your life, you have a divine purpose in this life and in eternity because your life doesn't end here. Your life goes on for eternity. And so he wants to do wonders through you now and for eternity. You have a divine purpose. And so what does consecration look like, you might ask? Um, I think it, it probably looks different for every person. Like, I think it's important to ask the Holy Spirit what consecration might look for you. But I think a general way uh, consecration could look, if you look at Hebrews 12, so just right after Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, I think this is a, a beautiful thing of probably what the Israelites might have done when they consecrated themselves. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, it, who is the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God, right hand of the throne of God. And so I think it looks like casting off the weights that you've been holding on to, letting them go, saying, no, that's not going to define me anymore. This sin is not going to define me anymore. I'm not going to be a slave to this sin anymore because Christ set me free. Or I'm not going to be, you know, burdened by anxiety and stress anymore because, like, Jesus' yoke is easy, and his, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. That's a promise. So why do I feel so heavy? It's because you're not believing in the promise. You're not having trust in the promise that, that Jesus said to you. And so I think that is one way consecration looks like. Let go of those things that are holding on to you. Whatever it is, we all have different stories. And God wants to do wonders in each of our stories. He really does. 
He's done it in mine multiple times, and so I'm confident he wants to do it in your life too. So I also think that part of inheriting our promises, a, a key step, a key ingredient, um, is surrender. I think we kind of have to surrender our lives to God, you know? We have to surrender our way, our will, and say, I can't do this. I need, I need you. I remember when I was struggling with pornography <laughs> in high school, I would, uh, I would like make these like deals with myself. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever done that. Like if you're like struggling with a sin, you're like, I'm gonna make a, if I do this again, then whatever. And my, my do to like, if I do this again, if I look at pornography again, then I'm not gonna eat for a whole day. And, and it like happened the next day, you know, I looked at pornography and I was like, okay, I can't eat today. And then like I broke it at lunch, you know, like I got hungry and I ate. And so like we try these efforts to try to set ourselves free and they just don't work. They just don't work. I've tried them all. I've tried punishing myself. I've tried fasting. You know, I've tried all sorts of things to make myself feel bad. And hopefully if I feel bad enough, I won't do it again. But that's not the way it works. It's just because you feel bad and it doesn't mean you're going to not do it again. You need to encounter the love of God. You need the love of God to set you free. You need the love of God to set you free. You need Jesus to step into your situation to set you free. And, and, and that's what happened multiple times with me. And he used my wife, Jenna. She's been so, so kind and so gracious and so loving to me in the midst of it all. And, I, you know, my parents, too, and my in-laws, like, I, you know, I don't hide my things. I don't hide, hide my baggage because if you hide it, you're just going to be covered with shame. You're going to be covered with an identity that God didn't intend for you. And so you, you've got to, you've got to just surrender <laughs> and say, I, I can't do it, Lord. What, what do you want me to do? And so this is demonstrated in our story with Joshua. He, uh, he's looking at the city of Jericho, and he's probably just like standing out there looking and like, all right, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to take this city? This is a big wall. Like I said, Jericho was like a, it was a big city. It was nice. And uh, he's, he's looking, he's out in the field in front of Jericho, and all of a sudden he sees a person, and he sees a warrior with a sword, a sword drawn, and he, you know, he says to the warrior, are you for us, are you for our enemy, you know, that classic line, and the angel says, I'm for neither, I'm commander of the Lord's army, and Joshua realizes who he's standing in front of, and he lays flat down and he worships. He worships. And, it, and we know that this is a reincarnation of Jesus because usually when you do that to an angel, they say, stand up. Like, don't worship me. I'm just, an, I'm just like you. I'm an angel. But this, this angel being doesn't, doesn't do that. He lets Joshua worship him. And so we know that this is Jesus. And this is what Joshua says. It's just awesome. He... Uh, so Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to God, what does my Lord say to his servant? What do you say? What do you say I should do? I surrender my plans. I surrender my will. I surrender my agenda of how to like make this battle be a victory. I'm going to surrender what I think I need to do to have victory over Jericho. What do you say I should do? And then the Lord tells him to take off his shoes. That's why I don't wear shoes ever. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I actually don't wear shoes just because I, I just really, it's not spiritual at all. I just don't like to wear shoes. And so uh, 
Joshua takes off his shoes, just like Moses had that encounter, and and then uh, God gives him like the 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 order, right? The the way to take Jericho, and it's, it's just absurd. It's just absurd. It is like, you know, once again, like the wisdom of God is foolishness to men. Like God is going to ask you, like I think I said this last time I preached, you know, like God is going to ask you to do things that just seem foolish, that just don't make sense. And that's God. He does that. He's done it since the beginning, and he'll do it until, I don't know, but probably for, until heaven, I guess, until we are in eternal glory. So, G, so Joshua surrenders, and I think it's super important for us to take a, just a stance of humility and surrenderance to, to inherit what God's promised for us. And so if you're trying to do it on your own, if you're trying to inherit those words in the scriptures or those words that God's promised over you, and you're just trying to make it happen, then I just don't think it's going to work that way. It just doesn't seem evident in scripture that he wants you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and make your promises happen. We need to be surrendered to him and we need to be empowered by his presence. And so last, I think is super important for inheriting those promises is we need to follow his voice and his presence. We need to do what he said and we need to wait for his presence. We need to wait for the right time. And so Joshua, here's the command, crazy command to walk around the city and that's how the walls are going to fall down. No arrow shooting, no sword fighting, no ram, no nothing like that. And the people in Jericho are terrified, by the way. They saw the Jordan, like they heard about the Jordan being like pulled, like uh, the waters being separated and everybody in like this land is like scared of the Israelites. So like God's already doing work on them, like already like going before the Israelites, right? And so we need to obey what God says. Um, just plain and simple. We need to follow his voice. Whatever he says, we need to do because he knows best and he's good. And that's why it's so important that we are grounded in his goodness and grounded in his love because when we're grounded in his goodness and grounded in his love, then when he says something to us that sounds crazy, we can trust him because we know the character of our God. And so if you think God is out to get you, if he doesn't like you, if he's trying to like ruin your life or, or you're just kind of like on edge just waiting for the, the next disaster to happen as like God's punishment in your life because of some sin that you did in the past, then when he calls you to something, it's, it's more difficult for you to say yes because you're not really sure. You're not sure if you can trust him. And so it's super important that we're grounded which is we're grounded in his love and his goodness, um, in his presence. The Israelites, when they, when they walk around the city, they have the Ark of the Covenant with them, and the Ark goes with them, and the Ark was the presence of God, like the presence of, the manifest presence of God was in the Ark. And so when they walked around the city, like the Ark was with them, and so like where they went, the presence of God was with them. And so if you're going into battles, if you're going into situations without the presence of God, then uh, you're, you're less likely to succeed. Like the first time the Israelites came to the promised land and they didn't, they had unbelief and then they heard the news that they're gonna have to wander in the desert for 40 years. They're like, oh no, 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 no. Like, okay, 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 we trust you now, we trust you. 
And they're like, okay, we're going to go into battle. And, and they go into battle, and they don't win because God's like, I, I wasn't with you. Like, I didn't go before you because I already told you what was going to happen. But you tried to do something else, and I didn't go with you. And, and you lost. But every time the Israelites obeyed and had the presence of God go with them and waited for God's timing and for God's way, there was victory. And so I, I think just as, as individuals and as a church, you know, we need, we need to wait on, on what the presence of God is doing. What is he leading into? What is he leading into in your own life? What, is he, what, is he, what direction is he moving you into? And we need to follow that direction because we know that that's where he's going to be and where he is there, is, there is goodness and there is bounty. And it, it might not look like we think it's going to look, but it's always good because he's good. And where he is, there is goodness because he's there. And so... You know, it's just so important that we, we follow his presence and that we obey his voice. And just kind of lastly, we, uh, and, and when they take Jericho, God tells them to, to take, like, to kill everything, man, women, children, animals, like, the only thing, you can't keep anything, but you should take, like, the gold, silver, and precious things into the house, the tent of God, and that's what you're going to do with those things, the precious things. And so the Israelites, for the most part, obeyed, except one guy. And his name is Achan. And you probably know the story. He stole some things, and he hid them underneath his tent. And because of that, it affected the whole tribe, the whole, all of Israel was affected by his disobedience. And so, like, they lost the next battle because of his disobedience. And people were killed, Israelites, when God didn't want that to happen. But because of this Achan's disobedience, it happened. Um, so I just want to encourage you and myself that our obedience to God is super valuable, not only for our own lives, but it's for the value of everyone's life, especially in this church. Like, as a church, as city lights, like, don't just think your disobedience affects you. It affects everyone. It really does. I think it's a great lie of the enemy to, to lie to us and say, well, it's only affecting you because no one else knows or blah, 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 all the things that he says but it affects the whole body. And if we, if we as a body are going to inherit the things that God has prepared for us beforehand, we need, we need to be obedient to what he's calling us to do. Each and every one of us, leadership all the way down, we need to be obedient to what he says. And so I, I, you know, like I think there's a corporate word in this, like as a body, like if we want to inherit some of the things that God wants to do in us and through us as a body and through this to affect the city. Like, I think God really wants to use city lights to affect the city in powerful ways. I really believe that. But I think it's going to take us as a body consecrating ourselves to the Lord and casting off things that are holding us back, like sin and shame and, and unbelief, believing in the promise of God, standing in the love and the goodness of God, believing those things, surrendering ourselves to God, saying, whatever your will is, whatever your way is, I want to do that, and then being obedient to whatever he says. I think, like, that is the way we move forward. That's the way we inherit the things that God has for this church, and that's how we affect the city. Because God wants us, like, we're not just here to, like, meet on a Sunday, and, and like, we're, like, here to just change the city, right? Like, why else... Why else do we meet except to, like, stir one another up and to, like, actually make an influence in this city? Like, we're in this city for a reason. We have that property for a reason. We have that property for a reason. It's an incredible property. But it's, it's, it sits there. And, and 
and we need, we need to move on it. Like, we need, we, we need to move on that property. God's given us that property, and I think he wants us to use that property. I really do. Can we lose it? I, you know, I don't know if we can lose it. I, I'm not, I don't know all those things, but the Israelites, the first group, they lost their inheritance. They lost it. God didn't want them to lose it, but they lost it because of their unbelief. And so there, you can lose things that God has promised you because of unbelief. It happens in the scripture. Like, that's a heavy message, but it's true. It happened. Like, God wants you to inherit everything that he's prepared for you. He's prepared good things, good, good, good things for you. He loves you so much. But if you're not going to receive it, then how are you ever going to live in it? And so... I want us to inherit that property. I want us to walk in that property, and I want us, our church to influence the city. Not only, you know, like, obviously we don't have to wait to the property to influence the city, but, like, that property has just unique, special location to influence the city. And so I think it can influence the city probably, probably better than this location, just because of location-wise. And so I, I, I just, I'm just wanting us, I'm wanting myself, I'm wanting all of us, I'm wanting our church to just, just believe that God is good and that he loves me and that he loves us and he has good things for us and to step into those good things. And so I'm just going to ask the band to come up now. Um, and, you know, in, in the message, you know, I just kind of shared some of my story and I just want to kind of like give space to anybody in here who maybe it's just, they just feel weighed down by sin. You, you feel weighed down by regret, by shame, you feel like you're stuck. Like I felt like I was just stuck, that I wouldn't be able to uh, ever be free. And maybe you're in here and you're feeling that way. Maybe you're not. But I can guess that in a room this size that there's probably at least one person who is stuck in something and they want freedom and maybe they just don't know how to step into that freedom. And so I just wanna just kind of create space as the, as the band plays uh, a song, for you to, to, to just lay, lay it before the Lord and say, you know, God, I need you. I believe your promises over my life. I believe you love me. I believe you have more for me. I believe you, you didn't intend for me to be stuck in this lifestyle. Whatever the lifestyle might be, maybe it's a lifestyle of sh just anger. Maybe you're just an angry person all the time. Or maybe you're just full of lust and you don't want to be a lustful person. Or maybe you're full of worry. You just worry all the time and you weren't made to be a worrier. Like worry is not a, a natural, like it's not just a part of your personality. Right? I think a lot of times we just think worry is like our personality. Like I'm just a worrier, you know. But like God doesn't want us to worry. My wife often says to me, Andre, don't worry. Just don't worry. And it's true, like, Jesus, you know, Jesus has so many words about worry and so many words about greed and so many words about protecting ourselves and trying to just guard ourselves so that we live comfortable and easy lives and so that we never really step into the, into the call that God's had for us. And so as, as, as Sharon uh, plays, um, I just invite you to to step into that freedom. And I know many of you have already have stepped into that freedom. I know a lot of y'all's stories. 
But if you haven't yet, step into that freedom, whatever, whatever is feeling you, making you feel bound. God loves you. He has promises over your life, and he wants you to inherit those things. And so I'm, I'm going to pray for us right now. Jesus, I just thank you that you are, that you're good. That you're good and that your love endures forever. Thank you that you've dreamed over our lives. That you've, you've planned our lives. You, had, you have passionate dreams and passionate plans and passionate purposes over our lives. That you just, you just are so... So, just so driven with love. So Holy Spirit, I just, I just ask you right now just to, those people in this room that need a fresh encounter with your love, a fresh encounter with your goodness, a fresh encounter with your freedom, with your grace that empowers us to walk in freedom, they would just taste that right now. And they would experience you. Just move in a powerful way right now, Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc. Thanks for exalting Jesus with us.